Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. So uh, one of the things that, that I, we're going to talk about the, the lampstand here in just a few minutes. But I was thinking this morning about strongholds from last week. All week I've been thinking about strongholds and, and how, how they're strongholds of the Lord and strongholds of the enemy. And a stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on you. It, it's a, it's a, it's a spirit-based belief that is formed in your heart that, that has a, a grip at the foundation of your being, has a grip on you. It's like a root system thing. It's a belief. And a stronghold of the enemy is a false belief that has a grip on your life. And a stronghold of the Lord is a belief in him based on who he is that has a stronghold on your life. And I illustrated that with Sean, uh, who we also call Tiny, uh, who was, you know, has a stronghold on you and doesn't let you go. See, when you walk with a stronghold of the enemy in your life, even when the truth of God's word shows itself and reveals itself to you, it feels like a lie. But when the stronghold of the Lord, see, when the stronghold of the Lord is established in your life and you have a belief in Him and who He is and what He can do and all His authority and identity, all that stuff of, of who the Lord is, and you have a stronghold of the Lord established in your life, then you can have all kinds of lies and persecution and suffering and everything can attack against the knowledge of that belief, and you are looking at it like, well, that's the dumbest thing ever. I know I've already won. And you're looking at it like, man, please. You're not moved by it because you have a, a stronghold established in your life. So all of us have different areas in our life where we have a stronghold of the Lord established in our life. We have a belief in this area or this area, but there's other areas where there's a stronghold either of the flesh or of the enemy that is in our life. And I felt like the Lord this morning was telling me about, about feelings versus faith, about how, how God uses how God uses feelings and how the enemy uses feelings. And your feelings are up and down all over the place. And we can't help what we feel. We feel what we feel. But we're not called to, the just don't live by feelings. The just live by faith. The enemy will use fear, a spirit of fear, to activate emotions of fear to cause you to walk in fear. But the Spirit of the Lord will use a spirit of faith to activate emotions of faith to cause you to walk in faith. And the Spirit of faith is such a stronghold in the Lord that even when you don't have the accompanying emotions of faith, you can still walk in faith even with fearful emotions. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but about the faithfulness of the Lord. And the Lord kind of, if, if I understand what Tina was saying, of he kind of grabs your face, which I've had that happen to me before, and it's usually when I'm distracted. And it's like, hello. And he's like, it's a focus for you to see his face and say, I'm faithful. And we'd all say, amen, Lord, you're faithful. And, we, and that's the starting place. See, a stronghold of belief, and he's faithful. A stronghold, of, a stronghold of faith, a stronghold believing that he is faithful is the root that empowers you to be faithful. Because he remains faithful. And I know I'm not talking about you, to somebody you know, even when you don't remain faithful. So it's a stronghold in the faithfulness of God. And I want to encourage you to not be moved by emotion. I want to encourage you, never let your emotions, you know, uh, distract or derail your faith. We, the, the, the just shall walk by faith. We shall live by faith. And so if we're going to walk by faith, then it's faith in who God is, faith in his word, and he's faithful. So if I'm walking by faith, emotions may come up. Emotions may show up, but I've got to know what to do with those emotions. I've got to know how to handle those emotions and not be distracted by them. 
Because that's how the, the lies of the enemy works. And that's how we deceive ourselves and the enemy deceives us is when these different emotions come up. And it can be either way. You could have emotions of success, but you're walking it as a failure. You could have emotions of failure and you're walking as a, as a success. So to have a mindset that says, God, I want to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. God, because you're faithful, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm going to walk by faith. And when I, when I walk by faith, uh, see, I don't, I don't walk by my feelings. My faith should create feelings. So here's what happens to me. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, here's what happens to me sometimes. I get discouraged. Depression sometimes can attack me. Fear can attack me. Insecurity can attack me. All kinds of things can, and it comes like just almost like blown in by the wind. I'm over here doing something and suddenly, boom, this thing just happens. But sometimes it gets all up in my grill. And I don't know how to get it off sometimes. I feel like I don't know how to get off. And it feels very real. Then it changes things. And, and Sarah's with a family this morning, uh, ministering to them who's going through a real difficult time. So uh, if y'all don't tell her I talked about it, that we're cool. But so when that, when that stuff hits me, when it hits me, it changes how I hear and see and speak. And I start looking at Sarah and I start like misinterpreting. It's that darkness that sets in. And it makes me misinterpret her. Well, what would you mean by that? I know, I know what you meant. Okay, yeah, try to back out of it now, but I know what you meant. And you make judgments based on a lie. And so what I've found over the years to do is to walk by faith is not try to wrestle with that emotion, but to literally just, if the emotion's coming at me this way, to literally just, Lord, I just bless you and I praise you. I just go to a different direction. I just do it like it's like a kingdom squirrel. It's just you just go in a different direction. And you faith without faith without works is. So I do something. The Bible says raise up holy hands. Some of you might not be comfortable lifting up hands to the Lord. It's kind of weird. You ain't got no problem lifting up hands, you know, at a, at a football game. Or if somebody came robbing you, you ain't got no problem lifting up hands in. You know, the police come. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got no problem lifting up hands then. But to the Lord, it's like, ah, I, just, I just don't feel comfortable with that. So there's things the Bible tells us to do with a heart of faith. Lift up holy hands, clap, shout, whatever it may be. And, and so there's many times that I'm not feeling like lifting my hands. My feelings didn't motivate me to lift my hands. My feelings didn't motivate me to clap. Matter of fact, when we stir things up so much in a church environment and create an emotional sea of things that cause people to shout and cause people to do whatever, it's not necessarily a shout of faith. It's a shout of feelings. And there's nothing wrong with a shout of feelings as long as you recognize the difference between a shout of feelings and a shout of faith. Immature people in the Lord can only be moved by their feelings, and when the atmosphere is just right, they'll get up and shout and do whatever, but when they're back on the, on the home front and, and, and you know all hell's breaking loose, they don't shout no more. And then they believe the lie that they got to get back to a place and get back to this emotional state or get whatever. But the truth is, your faith in the Lord. That you know what? I don't feel like it. Some of y'all didn't feel like coming to church this morning. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. But you came. And I pray you came not because somebody drug you here or gave you the look. I pray you came because you had faith. Like, you know what, Lord? I'm going to go anyway. I'm going to go anyway. Because I, you're faithful. So I'm going to show up anyways because I'm going to show up because you show up. I'm going, to show up, I'm going to show up this time because you show up every time. So, God, I'm, I'm going to show up. And the reality is, the reality is, you can, when those feelings hit you, I'm telling you many times, I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll, I'll walk and pray in the Spirit. I'll clap my hands. I'll, I'll sing. I'll lift my hands. I'll do a number of different things. So when those feelings come upon you, what you can do is walk by faith. Chase that squirrel of faith. Walk by faith. Make it, I don't feel it. Well, who, stop being led by your feelings. Stop being led by your feelings. Walk by faith. 
Do the right thing because it's right. Honor the Lord because he's worthy. Bless the Lord because he's holy. Begin to do what is right. Lift your hands up to him. Clap. Do whatever. Not as a sense of hype, but as a sense of holiness unto the Lord. And I'm telling you what will happen. Well, at least what happens to me is it's just it's the coolest thing. And maybe it's just me. Maybe there's something wrong with me. I don't know. But when I begin to make a faith decision to refocus on the Lord, and so I'll quote a scripture, I'll quote Psalm 23 or, or Galatians 2.20, and I'll clap my hands unto the Lord, I'll, I'll set my mind on things above, and, and I, just, I, just, I just ignore I just like ignore the emotion and walk in the authority of faith, and within like 60 seconds, that darkness that was creeping up on me is no longer. But what happens if it comes back? You just you already know what to do. Just do it again. Well, what if I do that all day long? You'll mature in your walk with the Lord. So that's what you can do instead of like, oh, I feel this. I feel this. See, when you, when you succumb to the feeling and you submit to the feeling, that's how the enemy establishes the stronghold of that fear in your life. We all feel it. We all feel it. How many of y'all feel junk? How many of y'all feel stuff? Well, now you know what to do with it. Now you know what to do with it. Deal with what you feel. Don't let it deal with you. Walk by faith and let a stronghold of faith be established in your life so that the belief of God is faithful and God is at work and he'll even take this bad thing and I know he'll work it out for good as I love him and walk with him. He'll work it out for good. That's my belief. And I'm not moved by anything else. Yeah, but don't you? It, I, people do. Yeah, but don't you see this? And don't don't you see this? Well, yeah, I see all those things. But don't you see this? Don't you remember the Lord? Has He changed? Has His has His arm been shortened? I just want to encourage you because I believe the Lord is establishing a stronghold of faith in your life a stronghold of faith that you can stand in the middle of darkness and say, light be. Darkness will speak to you or you will speak to darkness. The choice is yours. I just want to pray over us. If you don't mind, I'm just going to move you a little bit. I'm going to See, that's another thing. Just move. You got to move. You got to move. You got to do something different. You got to move. Get up on your feet. Come on, get up on your feet. And if anybody around you is like grubbing and, and negative, just pinch them in Jesus' name. Open your hands up before the Lord. And just set your heart, Lord. We set our heart to you, God. We set our heart to you, God, and we believe you. You are faithful. You have our attention, God. We come with a heart of expectation and we come with a heart of readiness. We're ready to receive the living word of God. We're ready to hear God. We're ready to grow, to increase God. We're ready to uh, have your plans and your purposes accelerated in our life, God. We're ready to receive God. We're ready to hear and understand and obey God. And we thank you that you are at work, God. You are Lord. There is no one beside you. There's no one above you. There's no one before you. You are Lord and you reign, God. You reign over our life. You reign over our family. You reign over our nation, God. We thank you, Lord. You are the Lord. High and lifted up. And so this morning, God, your people come. We come ready to worship. We come ready to, to learn, God. We come ready to hear, God. We come ready. We're not lazy, God. We're not slack, God. We're not weary, God. We put our faith in you. We put our hope in you. You are faithful, God. We set our heart and mind to focus on you. Help us receive, God. Help us receive with all readiness the living word of God which is implanted and able to release salvation through our soul. Let your light be stirred up in us, God, and released through our life, God. Let all darkness flee and may the light of Christ shine in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, you can sit down. I need a handful of kids who wants to light something. Any kids want to light anything? It's okay. Uh, 
Okay, why is this not lighting? There we go. Okay, so you can take this, and you choose whatever one you want to light. You can light. Watch out for the wax. It'll hurt for about 60 seconds. Good job. Here, we'll get over here. Thank you very much. You can light whichever one you want. Thank you very much. You can light whichever one you want. Good job. Okay. Sometimes you got to speak to it. Light B. There you go. Uh, we need two more. Let's do some adults. Any adults like playing with fire? Come on, be real. Any adults like playing with <laughs> Jim. I'm a kid at heart, though, really. Remember what happened last time we gave you a candle? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Good job. One more adult. Come on, one more adult. One more adult. Okay, come on. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. All right. I'm going to just make... Do this. So I want to tell you today we're finishing up the lampstand, hopefully. And next week, y'all, this is the last Sunday of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> and... And there's some things that uh, about a month ago, I was in my office praying, and, and he started speaking some things just really, really powerfully to me. And I knew they were for me, so I, I was meditating on them and just thinking about it and all that kind of stuff. And then I felt like he said, I want you to do this for, the, for going into the new year. So next Sunday, I'm going to share with you uh, what I believe the Lord shared with me about coming into the new year. And then after that, the rest of January, I'm going to do a series on that's going to kind of remind us of going back to our first love because there's something about the first works and the first love. We need to do that first coming into this new year. We don't need to do it last. We need to enter the new year by keeping first things first and helping us prioritize. So that's what I feel like we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. And, um, and I'm going to need a, a boat. So if anybody has a boat, a yacht would do. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Anybody, a boat that I can fit on stage? A little John boat, little something. something some kind of boat I can fit on stage. Talk to me after service. Let me know. Talk to me after service. So um, open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. We're in, we're in the series, ending the series today about the lampstand of the Lord. And the lampstand uh, is kind of like our, our Christmas series, which I pray you had an amazing Christmas um, and had joy with your family. And, and, and if there's difficult spots or difficult things with some of the relationships within your family, I pray that the Lord gives you a joyful perspective as you go through that journey and you believe the Lord for the best and you, and, and don't, don't, you know, the, the, the movie ain't over. The, the, he's not done. So don't make a judgment about something that's still in process. The Lord's at work. The Lord's at work. Uh, and we've talked about the lampstand. Uh, so many things I want to tell you about. Oh, 30 minutes. There you go. Boom. Boom. So about the lampstand... Uh, this is the menorah, the seven-branch menorah, which is not the Hanukkah uh, nine-branch menorah. It's a total different thing, total different element. Uh, this is the this is uh, this is the one that was in the temple. I happened to get it on on Amazon for seventeen ninety nine because I got the favor of the Lord. Uh, <laughs> the uh, and so we've been talking about how you know the lampstand of the Lord is a church. It, the lampstand of the Lord represents the Lord and. Um, I had a little candle up here. What did that candle go? No, a small one. 
I threw the small one. (laughs) You have interfered with the work of the Lord. I forgive you. So a couple things I want before we jump, because we're going to open your Bible. We're going to just run through some scriptures here in just a minute. But I want you to understand that the most important thing about the lampstand is the light. And we, he is the light. When we, when we step into him and he steps into us in a relationship with him, the lampstand represents the churches, represents the church that he's head over. He's king of the kingdom and he's head of the church all at the same time. Can't separate them. And, and he stands in the midst of the lampstands. And when he says, you know, repent, in Revelation that we talked about, repent or I'll remove your lampstand. I, I just, I, you know, when I read that kind of stuff, I don't know fully what it means, but there's a healthy sense of the fear of God that comes into me. And I'm going to explain some of that later. But one of the things I want you to get about the lampstand and about the candle is if I let these burn, and the one I had up here was a real small one. It's one, it's one of the first ones I started with in this series. So it's about that big. The candles burned down to about that big. And I felt like the Lord spoke something to me that I, want to, that I feel like he wants you to know is the life of these candles is kind of like your life and my life. They're not going to burn forever as a candle. They're not going to burn forever. They have, they have a time frame, a, a, an expiration date. They're, they're going to go. And so we have a time, short time on, on earth that in our waxy, fleshy self, there's a wick inside of us that we can, if we want to be lit by the Lord, can be lit. And this candle can have the most honorable privilege to represent and shine for the light of the Lord. But you only have a certain time to do it. You only have a certain time to do it. You're not going to burn forever. And, and so I just want to, I want to stir you up so that you get an appetite to say, God, I want to burn for you. I want to burn for you. I don't want to burn for me, but I want to burn for you. I, I want to shine. I want, my, I want your light to shine through me. I know I've messed a few things up but I trust you to work it out for good as I walk with you and walk in relationship with you. Uh, Another thing about the lampstand is rabbis for generations called the lampstand the tree of life. They were called the tree of life. And it would shine the light of God and the illumination of God. And that's a tradition that that they've had. But guys, that's kind of Christ is the tree of life. And he becomes a tree of life in us that people eat of the fruit of our life in Christ. And they taste of the Christ and they taste and see that the Lord is good from our life. And so, and there's a handful of other things I can tell you about the lampstand. But the, the main thing is this, is is that you would have an appetite and a desire to say, Lord, I want to shine for you. I want your light to shine for me. I'm tired of darkness. See, the Bible says men love darkness rather than light. And what happens in church sometimes is we know how to come in, and on Sundays, I love the light, this little light of mine. And all, but yet we live in darkness. So the reality is, It's exciting. It's exciting in your private life and in your personal life and your church life when you let the the light of who God is shine in the dark areas of your life. It's not like, oh, i got to walk in the light today. It's like, it's, it's exciting when he begins to illuminate ideas to you and show you things that other people walking in darkness do not see. One of the greatest joys in my life. And I, man, this almost changed the whole sermon. One of the greatest joys out of a gift that I believe the Lord has given me is to be able to look at somebody. <laughs> look at somebody. Come here, come here, come here. Perfect. I'm so glad you're. I, see, now I know why y'all don't sit up in the front row. Y'all don't want to get picked on by Pastor John. But the world would look at somebody and say, what a waste. The world would look and just, what could God possibly do with that? 
the world would look and just say, really? (laughs) But God has given me a heart because one of the first times you were in this church, the Lord spoke to me to speak to you. Things that you never would have thought about yourself, about your calling and your purpose, which you have not started walking in yet, I should remind you. But you will. You will. And one of the greatest joys in my life is how the Lord helps me and gives me a vision to look at what other people would see. I don't see it, Pastor. I don't see what you're talking about. But I'm like, I see it. I see it. I see the gifting in there. It's asleep. But it's going to be awoke one day. And I see that there's a, there's a mighty man of God. A mighty man of God who's going to lead many people. And the joy that he's given you is going to release joy to other people. And I'm so glad I'm not one of those people that so overly criticize and just read the book by the cover. I'm so glad he's given me the illumination of the Spirit to look at something and see beyond the outer thing. See beyond the immaturity and see to the the potential that the Creator put there. So you can go sit down. I love you in Jesus' name. I'm so thankful for that because I can feel the weight of when that's... I can feel the darkness when that light is missing. And I look at people and I get judgmental. And I got all this evidence built up against them. Because you know what happens? Then I stop praying for them. I stop believing God's best over their life. And I start thinking, you know what? Probably should just, you know, and I, I just lose God's heart for this person. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Because the, the center of the, of the menorah, the center of it is the spirit of the Lord. That means, Lord, I want your spirit to rule and reign in me. I want your spirit to guide everything I do, everywhere I look. I want to see through your eyes and your perspective. So from your perspective, God, and I pray this just all the time, that, Lord, you'd give me a spirit. So they're all connected to the Lord from Isaiah 11, verse 2. And this is not, Isaiah 11, verse 2 is not specifically talking about the menorah, but one day the spirit of God connected it for me, and it's always been connected from that day forward. And so the Spirit of the Lord is that center branch. And then we have the Spirit of uh, uh, wisdom and understanding, understanding and wisdom. And they're they're connected. Then we have the counsel of the Lord that I believe releases the might of God. And today we're talking about the knowledge. It says knowledge, but I believe it's knowledge of God. Knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. So in Proverbs chapter 1, look at how these are connected. Proverbs chapter 1, look at verse 7. Proverbs 1 verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Oh, I love that verse. Look in the same chapter, verse 29. Same chapter, skip over to verse 29. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is something you choose. Knowledge is something you can love or hate. And we're not talking about just knowledge like worldly knowledge because worldly knowledge will puff up. We're talking about the knowledge of God, knowledge of who He is, the knowledge of the Lord. Look in, in Proverbs chapter 2. Skip over to Proverbs 2. We're going to do a little Bible drill. You, you got it. You can handle it. Proverbs 2. Look at verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So the knowledge of God is something you need to find. It means you need to seek for it. We can't be passive and expect the knowledge of God to find us. We've got to seek for the knowledge of the Lord and understand the fear of the Lord. Oh, I love. Go to Proverbs 9. We're going to say this Proverbs for a minute. Proverbs 9. Skip over. This is one, two, skip a few. Bible drill. Proverbs chapter 9. Look at verse 10. Man, the whole thing's good, but look at verse 10. Proverbs 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. I I love that last phrase, the knowledge of the Holy One. It's not the knowledge of a Holy One. It's the knowledge of the Holiest One. So the knowledge of Him is understanding. Meaning I really don't understand a person, place, or thing until I understand how He sees that person, place, or thing. Boy, I have misunderstood a lot of people, places, and things. Uh, Proverbs 22. Go, Go to Proverbs 22. Just make it right. Proverbs 22. That just sounds so good. I'm telling you, I got to find a Bible app that has Bible pages turning. Sounds so good. Verse 4, 22, Proverbs 22, verse 4. By humility, the fear of the Lord, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. See, darkness will have a whole different way for you to get riches and life, and it's probably through dishonor. But in the light, in the glory of the light of the kingdom of God and who Christ is, we humble ourselves in the fear of the Lord. And through that, he establishes riches, honor, and life. Man, there's so many verses. Um, uh, skip over to verse or chapter 29. And look at verse 25. Now, this is not about the fear of the Lord. Look at verse 25. The fear of man brings a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Many times in my life, I've feared man instead of fearing God. But the fear of man brings a snare. So we want to be people who know how to fear the Lord. We have the knowledge of God and the fear of the Lord. You know this, you know this but since we're in the Old Testament, go there. Uh, the book of Hosea. Go to Hosea. I know you know this scripture, but look at the, the book of Hosea. We all know this one, but I want you to see it with your eyes. Matter of fact, through this whole series, if you notice, we've been looking at more scripture because I just feel like that's what we're supposed to do in this series. Um, Hosea in the Old Testament is right after Daniel. Hosea... Chapter 4, and look at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So that word destroyed means to bring an end to. It means to silence, so it means bring, bring an end to your message, bring an end to your voice. It, mean, it means bring an end and a, to your assignment. Destruction is literally being deceased. It's your assignment is over. You are done. So the vision and calling and the assignment and the mission of God's people, the purpose of God's people many times is done before it's time. Because we reject the knowledge of God. The enemy uses our lack of courage to seek out the knowledge of God, which will empower us and strengthen us. The enemy uses our our lack of passion and lack of hunger to seek out the knowledge of God, and he uses that to stop God's mission in our life before it's time. He uses it to bring a darkness over you to silence you. But if we're going to be people, uh, we don't want to be this way. So he says, uh, verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. We reject knowledge. So I haven't rejected knowledge. If this is the only time you picked up your Bible all week long, then this week you have rejected knowledge. You've rejected it. 
You've rejected. I'm, I'm not mad at you. You're not a bad person. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm just saying that what would happen in your life? Let's, let's flip it around. What did you pick up this week? What did you pick up to pursue when you were excited and felt like accomplishing something? What did you pick up when you were sad and felt like you needed to be loved? What did you pick up when you were angry and felt like nobody understood you? What did you pick up? And if we're going to be the people of the Lord that are like trees of life, that are lampstands of the Lord, that people who sit in darkness will see a great light and God using our wax to show and shine his glory, then we got to pursue his knowledge. we got to pursue his knowledge. We've got, to, we've got to seek after him and not be destroyed. Like, I will not be destroyed by a lack of the knowledge of God. This is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm going to seek the Lord. I'm not seeking all this history knowledge about knowing all these different things. I want to know him. I want to know him. You don't have to know Greek and Hebrew and, and know how to explain this and that. I want to know him. Because if I know him, there ain't nothing you can do to me. There's nothing that can happen that can cause me to walk in darkness if I know him. So any darkness that comes upon me or any darkness I step into is a momentary, it's just, it's just God setting up the next scene for the glory of the Lord to shine. It's just God working the plot of the testimony, letting some darkness come backstage and as the background of my life so that, so that in the right moment, in the right time, as I walk with the Lord and everybody in the crowd is like silenced by darkness, God shows up as the forefront in the light. And everyone's like, wow, didn't see that coming. And he gets all the glory. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what the enemy is lying to you about. What kind of darkness he's trying to cloud you in and cover you in and smother you in. But you need to have an appetite and an expectation of the light of Christ will shine. It might not be today. It might not be tomorrow. This darkness may last for a little bit longer than I want it to. But I'm going to tell you right now, his light is going to shine. Oh, my goodness. Look at Ephesians 1. Go over to Ephesians 1. We've read this scripture before, and I'm going to... New Testament, y'all, New Testament. Ephesians chapter 1. Oh, I just love this stuff. Ephesians 1, we read this before. Look at verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in... It's all good. (laughs) Devil, you are a lie. Whew. In, look at that, underline that phrase, in the knowledge of him. He's the center. And if the center falls, it messes up the whole sermon. He's the center. And when he becomes the center of you, when he becomes the center of your thoughts, your emotions, your desires, when he becomes the center, everything changes. When you become the center, everything changes. But the change that happens when you're at the center is not good. The change that happens when he's at the center is outstanding. Putting him at the center. Uh, Just go to Colossians. There's so many scriptures about about this. It's it's just really incredible. Um, Look at Colossians chapter 1. Oh, if you've not read Colossians chapter 1, you just need to sit down there for a little bit. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 9. We'll we'll start at verse 9 and read a little bit. 
For this reason, we also, since the day that we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. And in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So we're walking in the knowledge of God, but we want to be increasing in the knowledge of God. And we want to walk worthy of the life Jesus called us to. And let me just tell you this, something about God's will. God's will God's will is not something that finds your life. So the wrong question in in saying, I wonder what God's will is for my life. That's you at the center. If you ask the question, what is God's will for my life? That's not a wise question because that has you at the center. The biblical question is, what is God's will? And then my life joins God's will. Not, it's not God's will finding my life. It's me finding God's will. God's will does not search for my life. I search for God's will. And, once, and if everybody in this room at the same time came to this table and came to this word and this lampstand symbolically saying we're all coming to one thing, which is God's will, all of the lives in this room would come to one thing, God's will. And as we walked away, God's will would uniquely and differently in all of our lives express itself the same but different. But you got to have a desire to say, I want to know you. I want to know the knowledge of who you are. Because when I understand who God is, then all of a sudden, I understand who he is in me. That changes how I deal with my family. It changes how I run a business. It changes how I approach everything in my life. Not to make it religious. That's the problem. We take church tradition and bring it into our family and bring it into our business. And church tradition is like a ceiling. But the knowledge of God is like a floor. And it'll change the way you do things and break the mold of traditions of men and do the impossible because now you now have knowledge of the one who does impossible. Oh, it's just so, so good. And the rest of Colossians, I don't have time, but it's so good. Read the rest of that. Skip with me to 2 Peter. I only got a couple minutes left. I don't think this clock was a good idea. Second Peter. Y'all about to see an iPhone get broke. Second Peter chapter 1. Oh, if you've not sat down and just read this on your own, man, it'll, this, this will change you. This will change you. If you sit down and read Second Peter the whole, ch- the whole book, it's only a few chapters, it'll change you. Look in verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. In what? In the knowledge of God. So when I'm seeking knowledge of God, and I'm gaining this knowledge of the Holy One, grace and peace, the grace of the Lord and the peace of God is being multiplied to me in the knowledge of God. Multiplied to me. Oh, my goodness. And his divine power has given to us all things. Man, I could do a whole conference just on this thing. But look, he given all things that pertain to life and godliness through, watch this, through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which we have been, by which have been given to us, past tense, uh, exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, meaning these promises, that you may be partakers, have a stronghold of, the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So faith in God is the foundation. So to faith... And everything that comes after, everything we're about to read after this, you could put the word faith right in front of it. Because it's adding to my faith. 
So if I'm adding, if I'm adding something to my faith, then it means the thing that I'm adding to my faith is operated with by faith, activated by faith. So it's adding to my faith. We start with faith. And adding to your faith virtue, which is goodness, which that's the heart of God. By faith, you are good. By faith, you are good. So when bad things are happening, I still declare, God, you are good. And then to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance or endurance, meaning I'm not going to give up. And to endurance, godliness, godlikeness. And to godlikeness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love, that agape love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be useless nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Look at the end of, of, of 2 Peter. Go all the way to the end of 2 Peter, chapter 3. And then after this, i got one more scripture for you, and we'll be good. 2 Peter, chapter 3. This is so cool. It ends with this. We see the grace and peace and knowledge all through here, but look at how Peter ends his letter. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. You know, there's that, that says so much, but something I feel like I need to just say to you is the now and forever. Here's what that means. If we're walking with the Lord and stuff, darkness is attacking our light, feelings are attacking our faith, st- circumstances are attacking my, my commitment to Christ. But I want to seek the knowledge of him and I want to stay, I want to stay true to who he's called me to be and what he's called me to do. Then I, then I can grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and the glory that happens, the glory, the glory that is revealed, the, 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 the power and the preeminence of God, the radiance of God's glory that shines in the middle of that darkness, that God receives glory now and forever. So right now, I see the glory of the Lord working through my darkness. And when I die and when they go to heaven, I'll look back and I'll have a whole new forever like game film and testimony and honor of what the Lord has done through the earth. So when you're going through a difficult thing, there's two dimensions of, there's two, two times, two dimensions of the glory of God. One that you can experience right now and you can only experience it now. There's certain things of God you can only experience when you're under attack. There are certain glories of God that you can only experience when you're, when you're under attack and you still praise the Lord. It's a glory now and it's a glory that will last forever. Go to Hebrews 12. The fear of the Lord, guys, it's a godly fear. It's a holy fear. It's not a fear that draws me away from or pushes me away from God. It's not that kind of fear. The fear of the Lord is that reverent respect of glory and honor to the Lord that draws me near to the Lord. It helps me to hear the Lord. It helps me to, to recognize who he really is and honor him in that capacity. It is a worshipful fear of the Lord. It's not something that the fear of the Lord never pushes you away from God. It always draws you in. I didn't hear nothing. It always draws you in. I'm on my last one. Give me a break. Look at verse 25, Hebrews 12, 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. 
whose voice then shook the earth, but now has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken. See, the, the, circle the word removal. As of things that are made, that the things which cannot, cannot be shaken, not will not be shaken, it's, it, it cannot, like cannot. I want you to see that. Because there's a contrast of things that are easily shaken and that are made to be shaken and the things that cannot be shaken. Listen to me before I read the rest of this. The voice of the Lord and the knowledge of God will bring discernment into, into your life to see what has been made to be shaken and what cannot be shaken. So you know what to trust in. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving the kingdom, we're always receiving more and more. We've received the kingdom, but we're growing in that, which cannot be shaken. So the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. The word of the king cannot be shaken. Let us have, let us have grace by which we may fear God. We may serve the Lord, sorry, may serve the Lord acceptably with reverence and godly fear. All that's highlighted and circled, I couldn't even see the word. So everything that can be shaken, let it be shaken. So that the only thing that remains is the thing that cannot be shaken. Being shaken is not a good thing. It's, it's a scary thing. Your emotions go nuts. But if you know your foundation is on the rock, and Lord, I thank you that you're shaking everything I was standing in that's not of you. I'm, thinking that you're, I'm thankful that your voice causes it to be shaken. So the end result is I'm standing on something that cannot be shaken. And the key part of this verse is that by the grace of God and the fear of the Lord, I will serve the Lord. By the grace of God and the fear of the Lord. If we're going to walk in the knowledge of God, we've got to walk in the fear of the Lord. You've seen it all through the scriptures that we've just read. The grace and the knowledge connected. And now you see the grace and the fear connected. We need the grace of God to help us to fear the Lord. And when we fear the Lord, it helps us to stay on the foundation that cannot be shaken. I don't know what you trust in. I don't know what you go to. I don't know what you lean to. But when things shake, when things shake... Your reaction, what you trust in, what you go to, what you seek after, that kind of stuff, it, that, that's, that's life-transforming moments. When things shake, if you don't have the right perspective of the knowledge of God, you think God's judging you and shaking you because he hates you and he's mad at you because of your sin. When in all reality, what God hates is sin. He doesn't hate you. He loves you, and by his grace, he's allowing the things and even speaking things that are, that are of no use to you, that are of, of uh, at best, temporary value to be shaken so that you put your priority and focus on that which cannot be shaken so that now and forever you can experience the glory of the Lord. And he establishes his lampstand on a foundation that cannot be shaken. I don't know what's trying to shake you, but if you stand in the Lord, you cannot be shaken. And I recognize that when I say that as a pastor, and I declare the word of the Lord to you this morning in that, I recognize what happened in the spirit world just now. That I declared a word that the enemy is going to come and he's going he's to use that proclamation and he's going to come bring something to shake Sarah and I. Just mark my words. And I pray that when that happens, and if I happen to lose my religion and call you and, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I pray you come back to me. Bring a lampstand if you feel froggy. Come back and say you're on a foundation that can't be shaken. 
I know you feel like everything has changed, but nothing has changed. You're still, God is still who he is. You're still who you're supposed to be. I know it feels like everything has changed, but nothing has changed. Uh, Worship team, come on up. I want to say one more thing to you. 32 minutes. I'm two minutes over. The reality is I believe that God is moving and doing things in your life. And I want you, I want you as we go into this time of worship, I want you to really consider, um, consider your life like now, in this season. And if there's not a hunger for the knowledge of God, knowing Him in your life, I want you to pray, Lord, Lord help me have that knowledge to seek you. I don't know what you seek after. I don't know what you go after. I don't know what has a pull on you. I don't, know what, I don't know what happens in your life and you turn to this. But if there's things that you've been turning to and he's not first and he's not the foundation, then there just needs to be a genuine, honest repentance. Lord, I've not been seeking you. I've been waiting for your will to jump over, over here to find me. And I've not been humbling myself and coming to your throne trying to find your will trying to find knowledge of who you are, knowledge of, of what you have, knowledge of what you can do, and knowledge of what you can do in me and who you make me to be. So, Lord, help me have that with a fear of the Lord, with a holy respect. And what that means is it's not, I'm afraid, of, oh, God, I've, I've messed up. See, if you mess up, if you've messed up and you've been away from God, you don't have to fear coming to him. The Bible tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace because grace is like... I love you even when you forget who you are. I'm faithful even when you're not faithful. So come back to the source of your faithfulness. Come back to the source of your faithfulness. And I will again make you faithful. I will refresh you. I will renew. I don't come to the throne. to The fear, unhealthy fears, you're coming because, oh, I'm going to be punished. But when you understand the love of God and the grace of God and the fear of the Lord, how they all work together, you're coming back to the one who's faithful, who took the punishment that that was due to you and I and put it upon his son, and that you and I can receive that fresh grace to say, God, I want to have a, a greater knowledge of your will, and I want to have a holy respect for it, a holy respect for your word, a holy respect for who you are. So um, I want the, the um, prayer team to go ahead and come on up. If you are here this morning and you've never, you know, you know if you were to die right now, you, you, you know you wouldn't go to heaven. You've never given your life to the Lord. I want you to come up and tell one of them, hey, I, I, want, I want to give my life to the Lord. If, if, God's, if something's happening inside of you and you feel like God's speaking to you and you don't know what to do with it, come tell them, hey, something's happening inside of me. I don't know what to do with it. If you need, if you need to come celebrate something, if you need prayer about a job, if you, if you need prayer about a family member, if you need direction in your life, come. They will pray for you. And if you, if there's, if you need to come and just have time with the Lord, whether it's a time of thanksgiving and you just need to have a time to just focus between you and the Lord, or it's a time of repentance, or it's a time whatever come. And if you're worried about what will other people think if I come, what will they think? Well, here's what I hope they would think. Here's what I'm praying they'll think. Like family members who you're sitting by, what will they think if I get up and come? Here's what I pray they will think if you get up and come. Well, man, I probably need to go too. Wow, look at that courage. And I'm I'm serious about this. Children, if you're here and you're like, I want to come be with the Lord, but I don't know what mom and dad will think. I'm your pastor, and for the next few minutes, I'll rank your parents. Who cares what your parents think? You come be, be with the Lord. And then after service, they're back in charge. Husband and wife, doesn't matter what your spouse thinks. It's been between you and the Lord. And if you need to have a fresh time with him, you come to the altar and kneel. You can come to the altar and pray with one of the people here. Father, in Jesus' name, we set this time of worship before you that you would just begin to move in through your people. 
Touch our hearts, touch our lives. Lead us by your spirit. And in the midst of everything that is being shaken, God, bring us back to the rock so we can stand and build our life upon that which cannot be shaken. In Jesus' mighty name. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.